Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik and today I am thrilled to introduce our guest. I'm talking about Mr. Scott Rupp. Welcome to the show, Scott. Great. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to see you. Great, great. So, uh, Scott like before we start our conversation today and we delve deep into this topic because today's topic is very very important and very very crucial as well because we will be exploring about the trauma and significant emotional events in the workplace and their profound effects on our mental health so yes. uh, but before that i want to mention to all of our listeners that uh, <clears throat> scott is uh, i mean whose extraordinary life journey has taken him like from playing in two little league world series to dinner at the white house three times before the age of 12 now you can believe with whom i am talking about today so <laughs> so scott's impressive resume includes a successful political career appearances yeah. on national tv shows like dr phil and also influence over uh, some of the largest publicly traded companies in the united states Yes. However, uh, the pursuit of constant achievement and success led him to a breaking point. So, faced with uh, one of the rare, rarest genetic disorders of the planet, a car bomb incident, and a tension-filled poker game with six felons, so he realized the unsustainable pace in his life. this moment actually prompted uh, him to redirect uh, his focus towards the principles of sustainability and apply them to the people so his mission is very very clear understanding how sustainable individuals can significantly enhance the growth and the success of the companies and uh, communities globally so as a renowned public speaker he brings a unique perspective blending the uh, entertainment and the enlightenment so his presentations inspire audiences to reevaluate the sustainability of their efforts and provide the leaders with the tools needed to uh, meet the consistent needs of the workplace so he holds a master of science in sustainability and an mba so also uh, uh, like about his family like his wife um karisa uh, 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 she is a mental health counselor also plays a crucial role in uh, shaping his work 
through her understanding of human behavior and the human brain. So together they reside in um, uh, MO, I guess, right? Yes. Uh, so also, so let's join because I have, I believe I have mentioned uh, a small amount or a gist of his life journey, but join yep. us as Scott shares his insights on sustainability, personal growth, and the profound impact the sustainable individual can have on the success of the companies and the communities. So prepare for yes. an engaging conversation that combines <laughs> Scott's quick wit, entertaining anecdotes, and a deep understanding of the human behavior. And also, uh, before we start, I would love to mention, please have a look to his website, which is www.scottrub.com, which is S-C-O-T-T-R-U-P-P.com to learn more about his work and the journey. Because I have already mentioned you with whom I'm talking about. He's a great man. So let's start the journey. Welcome to the show again, Scott. Hey, wow. Thank you for that uh, amazing introduction. You uh, you cover a lot and you're very, very kind with your words. So uh, uh, yeah, it's it's great to be here. Um, I think the the topic that you and I both uh, like to talk about, uh, you know, healthy minds and things of that nature, it is so important right now. Um, in the United States last week, uh, the American Psychological Association just came out and said that all of their data shows that the average adult went through a thing called collective trauma during the pandemic. Uh, and the pandemic hit everyone worldwide. So just because it's it, the news came out of the U.S., it, it applies everywhere. The pandemic was a traumatic event. Um, and for some people, it was traumas on top of traumas on top of traumas, you know, and trauma affects the brain. It affects how we approach situations, how we deal with problems. And we're starting to see that manifest itself in the workplace with a lot of people that had uh, uh, big emotional events happen to them. And now the aftermath of that is starting to play out in some of the relationships inside the workplace and with their employers and, and within their families. So we're really at, a, at an interesting point moving forward when it comes to, you know, workplace, mental health and things of that nature. Exactly. Exactly. That's very, very true. So uh, I'd love like if you can share more about the turning point in your life that mm -hmm. actually led you to recognize that unsustainable pace uh, you were living and the impact it had on your mental health. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know my, my personal story is, uh, you know, I was relatively young, young fella, um, you know, had had five kids, uh, was, uh, you know, had, had, a, had a job, had a couple of businesses. I was in political life. I was running for a big political uh, office in the United States. And it was just, you know, up at 5 a.m. and and, you know, constantly you know, drinking coffee, getting the kids ready for school and then running and dialing for dollars and having meetings and everything. And then picking the kids up from school and coming home and getting them dinner and then staying up until midnight, you know, doing everything I was trying to to accomplish. And I was burning things at both ends. And, you know, for me specifically, it was, you know, at 5 a.m. when the day was quiet, I had about 20 minutes where my day was quiet. And I'd be in the shower, you know, getting ready for the day. And the words uh, just kept running through in my mind was simplify your life, simplify your life. And what it was, was that was the only time my brain wasn't bombarded with stimuli, wasn't bombarded with meeting requests and people wanting stuff and me filling it with data. 
and it was screaming for help saying, we can't do this anymore. So I did what everybody else does is I completely ignored it, pushed on and kept going and pushing myself harder. And eventually it just got to the point where it just, I couldn't do it anymore. So I had to kind of take a step back, reevaluate my life. Thank goodness I lost my election, which was the best thing ever to happen to me because it slowed my life down. And it made me pause and stop and think, okay, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I scheduling my kids so much between this practice and this game and this? And why am I trying to accomplish all these things to prove something to myself? And so I started to look into the uh, things of sustainability and, and how can we be more sustainable in our actions, whether or not if it's in the environment, whether or not it's within our own relationships with our friends and family, or if it's in our careers. And so then I started to look at what was going on in my own brain with a significant emotional event and things. And then the pandemic happened. And so I started to watch what was happening to millions of people across the world and it was very similar to what I had went through, you know, several years earlier. So that really got me interested in, you know, what a significant emotional event was, which it is defined as uh, a, an experience that's so mentally arresting that it causes you to, you know, reevaluate and possibly even change your values or your whole entire value system. And what we saw is we're seeing a lot of people that have reevaluated why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I overscheduling my kids? Why am I driving 45 minutes to work one day when I can work, do the same job sitting in my, 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 my kitchen table? And so what we saw out of the pandemic was we saw the thing called the great resignation, which was people just basically said, I'm done. I'm out. I'm quitting. I can't do this anymore. And why am I giving so much to you know this company that's not going to give anything back to me? And so that was a huge collective response that we saw, not just in the UK, not just in the United States, but all over the world where people had taken the traumatic events of the, of the pandemic and they were using that to question, you know, what is really important in my life? And, you know, and that's what led to a lot of people just saying, nope, I'm out. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I'm not following this typical track that everyone has been following for, for years. Understood. Understood, really. So uh, you have devote, devoted your efforts to applying the principle of sustainability to the people. Mm -hmm. So how mm -hmm. did this uh, shift in focus um, come about? And also, what insights have you gained uh, regarding this connection between the personal sustainability and also the overall well-being? You know, you, the, the big thing is, is, is that I think uh, when people have to make the shift, is they have to recognize that they've probably had some trauma in their life. You know, if, you know, maybe you lost someone in the pandemic, or maybe you were, you know, lost your job and things of nature, or maybe you've had other things happen to you in your life. Yeah. And trauma affects how the brain works. It it, it creates different neural pathways, um, and it makes us approach decisions in, in the way we interact with people. And what we're noticing in the workplace is some difficulty of people, you know, interacting as well because of some of this residual trauma. So the best thing is if, if you notice that you're just not yourself, if you're having more difficulty in your relationships, and, you know, or maybe your friends are saying, hey, you just don't seem like yourself, 
there may be a residual uh, a trauma left over. Uh, you know, you might be suffering from a little bit of a PTSD type of a, of a thing. And there's amazing therapies out there, you know, called EMDR and things of that nature, where you can actually rewire your brain to not go into the fight or flight mode, not to physically experience that trauma and be able to like process information, you know, in, in a more healthier way. Um, you know, so that is the first step is having access to some type of, of mental health counseling, whether it's online, individual with a trained therapist that can kind of recognize some of those warning signs of, 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 of trauma. And so that's kind of the first thing is making sure that our the way we're viewing the world is healthy, making sure the way that we are approaching situations is is uh, is, you know, is a healthy way, because after we've experienced trauma, you know, we don't think we're doing anything different, but our brain is is is, is functioning in a different way. Um, you know, a great example would be like, you know, someone that came back from military service where they saw combat and they saw somebody die or they were in a constant stress situation, even if they didn't see combat, the stress of maybe having to go. Um, you know, it can it can really re make you you know just kind of be in a stressful situation your entire life. Even when you come home, you're back with your family, you're working your regular job, but that stress never leaves you, and you become more irritable, or maybe you're more difficult and stuff. So it does it does change the way we uh, we we approach approach things. So that's kind of the first thing is make sure we do a good mental health checkup of you know. And talk to your friends. Hey, have you noticed anything different? Me, am I more irritable? And just do kind of a self-assessment type of thing. Then, when we go in, you know, into the workplace, um, you know, we have to be very clear about what we want. And it was like, what is what is my life of significance look like? And it is what my parents told me. Is it what society expects me, or what do I want? And I think every individual has to have kind of their own uh, significant life plan of this is what gives me value this is what gives me and they have to prioritize that you know build your build your uh, uh work around your life don't don't build your life around your work um things of that nature and how can you live a life of significance um instead of just you know just going through the motions and then eking out oh a vacation here and a little bit of time with the kids here just really reevaluate what is important to you and are you aligning your time your talent and your treasure with what is important to you exactly <clears throat> exactly true so uh in your work like you also emphasize how sustainable individuals can uh enhance the growth and the success of the companies so if you can also elaborate on the traits and uh, the practices that contribute to personal sustainability and by extension organizational success sure yeah so what we are seeing, especially in the younger generations, uh, you know, you know, like a millennials and, and younger, is we're seeing that workplace anxiety and workplace uh, stress is is is, is running rampant. Uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, I think there was a, a recent study that showed about seventy three percent of millennials feel that they are they have suffered or are suffering from some type of FOMO, um, you know, fear or or some type of uh, imposter syndrome is running rampant. And for your listeners, imposter syndrome is where I might have all the education, all the skills, all the talents, but I walk into the room and I think I am 
way out of my league and I'm an imposter for being there and everyone is going to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. And, and it just drives this, this, this anxiety in, inside, inside of there. Um, so we're really seeing though that, that level of stress and anxiety in the modern workforce. Uh, there's lots of reasons for that. But what uh, good managers and good companies and good leaders is they have to identify you know, that these things are happening and they have to help people to take steps towards eliminating, you know, uh, imposter syndrome and, and things in, their, in, the, in the workplace that are, that are going to uh, impact. The very first way to do that is for um, you to get to know your employees. And I don't just mean, oh, hey, I, I know her. She, she lives down the street and she has two dogs. No, you have to get way past that. You really have to get to understand their personality. Um, behavior analytics is huge. There's lots of great organizations out there that can help you with your behavior analytics. But if you understand someone's personality, you understand their personality traits, why they do the things you do, you can predict behaviors. And if you can predict behaviors, you can predict outcomes. So if you understand how people are operating and what makes them tick, you as a leader can help them. You know, here, here's a great example. When I walk into work, I know there's a young lady that every time I walk down the hall that I have to stop and say hello to. If I just say, hey, how are you? And keep walking, she's going to internalize it. She's going to think I'm upset with her. So every time I come in in the morning, I have to take one to two minutes and just stop and say, hey, how was your weekend? Did you have a good day? How's your dog doing? Because if not, she will internalize that as I'm upset with her and her productivity just goes down the entire day. But I know that about her because I use behavioral analytics when I was building my teams and when I was hiring people. So I know that's who she is. Plus, I also know some people that are like lone wolves. I can give them a project and say, get it back to me in three weeks and boom, they run like a lone wolf and they love it and they excel and they bring me back a great work product. But I know the person sitting next to them loves the comfort of the herd. And they don't want to do that. So they need to be more comfortable in a team and they need a lot more interaction and reassurance and stuff. So I might have to meet with them every three or four days. Hey, how's it going? Do you have any questions? Or the lone wolf, I won't hear from them for three weeks, but I know that about these people. So when I design teams, I am designing a team that is going to be successful because everybody's going to get what they need and stuff out of it versus just like saying, okay, hey, everybody, go do this and get back to me or some, I'm setting people up for failure. So knowing my employees will help them be successful, which will help them give more value. And then they can be, you know, more sustainable in their, in, in, in their, in their work and in, and in their life because they're getting that affirmation. That's great. So like uh, balancing high achievement and the well-being. So how can an individual, particularly high achievers, uh, strike the balance between pursuing the success and also maintaining their mental well-being? Well, I mean, especially on the high achievers, I mean, number one, that's a great question. The high achievers, you, for, you really kind of have to ask them, okay, are you addicted to work? Number one, you, do we, have to, we have to figure that out. Um, you know, how often are you working uh, you know, on your off time, you know, are you sending in work on your vacation? Are you sending in work on, on Saturday mornings and things of that nature, you know, when, so first we have to understand, you know, are you overworking? Are you addicted to work? Why are you overworking? Because you think that's what's going to get you rewarded. Uh, in fact, the year before the pandemic, uh, uh, the U uh, University of Lawrence did a huge study and they found that 73% of millennials 
thought that if they were not constantly connected to their work, they were at a professional disadvantage. And so it's like, if I am not constantly working, someone else is going to get the promotion. So we have to first off understand what is your thought process? What are, what are you, what is expected? And as leaders, we have to make sure that we are not, you know, expecting, you know, we, we might talk a work-life balance, but if we're rewarding overwork, if we're rewarding addiction to work with our promotions, with our praise, then we're sending the wrong signals and no one's going to listen to what we say. They're going to watch our actions. So I might have, say I have a great work-life balance, but my actions don't show that from an employee or from an employer standpoint, you know, so those, those that are really, really high achievers is like, what is that drive? What am I trying to fill? What am I sacrificing, you know, you know, you know, to, to, uh, to get that. And the other thing too, is like, what is, what is keeping me from getting my work done in the hours of which I am there? Am I distracted? Am I, um, you know, what is, you know, what is my learning style? Am I in, Am I in a, a, a place where I can't focus? And so every time I break my focus, it takes about 20 minutes for our brains to kind of get back to where it was while we were focusing. So sometimes it can be those people that are really high achievers and pushing themselves harder, but they're working so much harder than they have to, than they need to be because of the environment they're in. They're not understanding their how they need to focus, what their learning style is. Uh, and, and things of that nature. So a lot of it's just getting, again, getting to know that high achiever. What is driving you? What are you? What are you experiencing? Why are you doing what you're doing? Do you think it will be rewarded? Do you think it is expected? Um, you know, or is it something that you know that is is a little bit of a, of an addiction of addiction to work? Got it. So, uh, <clears throat> like before we wrap up, like. Uh, Based on your expertise, what advice do you have for the employees dealing with the trauma or maybe the significant emotional events? Um, and also, the guidance would you offer to the employers in supporting their workplace through such challenges? You know, so the, uh, for the employers, it's like if you don't have an employee assistance program, now is the time to start one. Uh, you know, those that provide those types of assistances to employees that maybe you're struggling uh, and, and if you do have one, you need to reintroduce it to your employees. I think the last thing I saw was 47% of companies that have some type of an employee assistance program, their employees don't even know it exists. So just reintroduce that. Make sure it includes some type of counseling, access to counseling uh, and things of that nature. You know, look for people that are getting burnt out. Make sure they're using their vacation days. Don't don't allow your vacation days to to accrue too much. You know, cap them. Don't allow them to roll over. You want your employees to re-energize their uh, their batteries. Um, you know, consider a sabbatical. If you have really high uh, productivity workers that have been with you for a while, consider saying, "Hey, take a month off. We're going to pay you, and I want you to just re-energize yourself so that you don't get burnt out." For that little bit you're going to give up on productivity, maybe you're going to continue that. You're going to recharge that person, allow them to just really just recharge their, their batteries. So if the employers have to look for those signs of burnout and things of that nature, plus they have to make sure that their culture is strong. It's not just words on a, on a, on a poster that they're actually doing what they're saying. If we believe in work-life balance, then all of your uh, programs must support that. The way you hire, the way you promote has to support work-life you know, balance, not just, hey, I'm going to promote the guy that's working 80 hours a week because he's really dedicated. 
no, no, you're rewarding the wrong thing uh, and things. And when it comes to individuals, the one thing that I can say for individuals that will really help them change their mindset is quit trying to be the most uh, impressive person in the room. You know, quit trying to do that instead. Um, don't try to be so interesting, but instead become more interested, become more interested in other people. Because if you actually can pour into other people and you're doing then people will pour back into you. So if you become more interested in your coworker or your boss or somebody and you start to understand and get to know them on a different level, they're going to probably most of the time return that to you. And then you're going to get filled back up. And what you will find is your relationships will grow deeper and stronger and you will succeed more because you've, you've established a healthy relationship, a lot of trust, a lot of respect, rather than just, Hey, look at me, look how great I did. And look what I did in my life. Look at my resume, become interested instead of interesting. That one little mindset change will probably open up so many more paths for you to uh, have more of a, of a healthy balance uh, in your life over anything else I could say. Exactly. I, I agree with this differently. So <clears throat> thank you, uh, Scott, for sharing your insights. So as we conclude this thought-provoking episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life, I definitely want to express my deepest gratitude to Scott for sharing um his remarkable journey and the insights into the silent impact of the trauma and the significant emotional events in the workplace. So uh, like for the listeners, I would like to mention, like we hope that this conversation has sparked reflection and the awareness uh, about the intersection of personal well-being and the workplace dynamics. So God yeah. uh, has actually left us with the valuable insights on uh, creating the sustainable individuals and fostering environments that prioritize mental health. So if you have found this episode enlightening, please consider subscribing, rating and leaving us a review. Your feedback fuels our mission to bring you discussions that contribute to your overall well-being. So stay tuned for more episodes of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life where we continue to explore the transmittive stories and the uh, export insights. So until next time, prioritize your mental health and remember that you have the power to create a healthier and the more balanced life. So thank you so much.